Hi, welcome to Holding Unfolding, a podcast about facilitation. I'm Abby Olton. I use she, her pronouns. I'm based in New York City on unceded Lenape lands. And I'm kind of having feelings about this being the fifth episode because that isn't a whole lot in terms of internet expectations for productivity. But um, since I've been doing these interviews and then editing and processing and uploading the audio and doing all the transcriptions, um, it's been a significant amount of learning and labor on my end, and I'm pleased about it and very excited to get to share this interview with you. Um, So that's exciting. And I did this interview from a park after a day where I spent eight hours outside with teenagers. And it was really excellent and amazing and also means that the audio has bird songs and traffic noises that I don't have the skills to edit out yet, and I'm not totally sure that I would edit them out even if I could. Um, just a few quick notes before we jump into the interview. Amber and I are going to mention progressive schools, and if you aren't in education, you should know that we aren't talking about schools that generally line up with contemporary progressive politics and its values, right? Um, If we're talking about progressive schools and progressive education, we're referring to a philosophy that dates back to the 19th century and the writings of John Dewey and the contemporary schools that model themselves off of that philosophy and its early schools. Um, I can put links in the show notes if you want to learn more. Um, Some other schooling philosophies and models that Amber's going to mention really quickly include Montessori, Reggio Emilia, and democratic schools. Um, If you're interested, I can put links in the show notes. There's a whole lot to be read about each of those. Um, But the important thing here is that, you know, those are references to specific philosophies. Um, And she's going to make a comment about, um, or (laughs) talk a little bit extensively, about the way that educators and teachers are socially positioned in U.S. history and um, the gendered expectations put on people doing care work and childcare labor. Um, there's several chapters of the new book, Work Won't Love You Back, by Sarah Jaffe, J-A-F-F-E, um, that cover that phenomenon in, in detail and are super interesting if you are looking for more. Um, Amber's going to mention the Arrow Conference, Alternative Education Resource Organization, um, and they are a 
long-standing organization that isn't specifically about self-directed education, but generally um, have offered resources and events to support folks looking for alternative to conventional education or whatever their local like mass institutional education is. Um, yeah, we both have a complicated relationship to that organization. Um, having experienced some misogyny there and had some other complaints about their events where we called leadership in and were not responded to well. Um, that said, their events have been a site where a lot of really awesome people in self-directed education, specifically in alternative education generally, have found each other and inspired each other, um, which is the phenomenon Amber refers to here as you know the role they played in, in her journey. Um, so that's worth clarifying and acknowledging. Uh, she's gonna shout out Akila Richards. I'll put Akila's many offerings, links to her many offerings in the show notes. Um, she's gonna shout out Parable of the Sower and Octavia Butler, also great. Um, she makes a comment about not having invented self-directed education and not having made up this approach um, and you know, implies a nod to the long lineage of folks who've been raising kids in trustful, curious, creative relationship forever. Um, and there's an excellent article about um, who gets credit for that and who doesn't um, that I will also link to in the show notes. It's called Ours First by Dr. Kelly Limes-Taylor. And finally, she's going to mention ALF calls, and we're going to talk a little bit about her ALF calls. So ALF, there is an acronym for Agile Learning Facilitator, and ALF calls are weekly or bi-weekly offerings from folks in the ALC network to other facilitators um, and their meetup support relationship building spaces. And so the calls that Amber co-hosts, she co-hosts with Mel Campo, who's based here in New York with me, and with Jean Finley from ALC Philly, who hopefully we'll hear from in uh, another episode soon. Um, those are all my notes on this topic. So let's get into the interview. Hope you enjoy. Uh, hi. Hi. Good to see you. Um, can you start by introducing yourself? Just your name, your pronouns, and where you're at in the world? Yeah, I am Amber Sawyer. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And you're at Rivers and Roads, right? Yes, I'm at Rivers and Roads ALCN Nature School. Yes, more specifically and importantly. <laughs> Would you be down to share a little bit about your project and your role there? Sure. Yeah, Rivers and Roads 
is in our fourth full school year and fifth year of conception. So um, we're in a fun place. We feel um, like we're stretching out of some of those early growing pains and um, ebbing and flowing. And it's uh, we're wrapping up the school year now. So it feels everyone's kind of in a reflective place. So we have been talking a lot about what has the rivers and roads been through all of the years. So that's been cathartic and beautiful and exciting and lots of talks on where are we going with it? Where are we today? Just good stuff. I facilitate here. I'm also one of the co-directors. And one of the founders, right? And one of the founders, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Cool. Can you... So your space is special both because you live there and because you backed up to a giant nature preserve. Yes. Yeah, we... Um, it unfolded itself to us. We were in... We had an original location, and it's a very long story, but as a lot of these projects go... Um, like a month before our first official day, we no longer had that location. So we, there were a lot of things that all fell together that we ended up in a house that backs up to a 100 acre uh, nature park. So it is also wildlife preserve. So it's very ridiculous. There are like deer that come grazing through the day that we go feed apples to. It's not real life. Um, it's very special. It's really beautiful. Um, this morning when we were out in a meeting, ducks just like flew over our head. Um, and it's also the city, it's a state park. So the city upkeeps all of the trails. And that was not the case at our first location. So we are grateful for that. And it's fun to kind of be in a public space that is um, shared because we're more in the community. So it worked out. We love it here. We um, play this fun game of like, what would we do if we have $5 million? What would we do for Rivers Um And I like playing. And I was like, well, we could, I don't know, some very adult thing about having a commercial building. And the kids were like, no. And I was like, why? And they were like, we love it because it feels like a home. So there's a couple of good things that come out of it being a homeschool. Um, I think that if when you initially come to tour it and it freaks you out that it is a home, that's a good indication that a lot of other things might freak you out. So this might not be the right fit. <laughs> and it provides lots of comfort. So, yeah. And I do, I have like my room, which I call my apartment, which is in the back. It's a rather large house so I share a space back there and it works for me cool um so to ask an outside question first um how did your conversations and facilitation change when suddenly your space opened up to this giant wonderful full of deer and also rattlesnakes uh you know, wild area. Yeah. So little kids first, too, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. We have, we have tinies. We, um, our youngest is four, but we've had, I mean, toddlers here. 
So um, this year we do not have that program. But um, we have, even our first location was outdoors. Um, it was in a concrete building. So it was very outdoors. Um, but I can still speak on just the outdoors and how I facilitate that. It's one of my favorite things is just walking um, with no objections uh, or um, intention. And when we're just moving, I think that that's when I was thinking on like, what what does being a facilitator mean to me? Or when do I feel like I'm facilitating? And it's very like compartmentalized to me. But when I'm thinking on like a I just, it feels right and I just feel aligned. It would always be when we're outside and just talking. Um, I think a lot of like what it means to be a human to me happens when you're together outside. Um, I like facilitating really like tiny humans and young humans and walking because I think it's, um, you learn a lot about how to hold space for each other when you're feeling big feelings and you're feeling hurt and scared and you're learning how to take risk. And so I think, um, yeah, I you learn how to be a friend. I get to observe, like, what does it mean to be a sensitive person and not fix someone's problem really fast, but to still show up for people. And then I get to see really tiny humans doing that and so yeah that's when I really feel aligned with facilitation because I feel a lot of hope in that and humanity I think the outdoors just opens that up um do the kids have particular places outside that they gravitate to mm. yeah and so our park if I can describe it so we have a backyard it's probably a half acre fenced in and then right behind us is a meadow that is mm, we'll say 20 acres and it's just a meadow in mode and so we have very natural boundaries especially with ages and we talk a lot about safety and how far are you away from an adult and I will say that those fears, especially when parents bring them, I think kids are so good at letting you know where they're at, like where, how good they feel about being away from you. And so that isn't something, I'll just talk about boundaries and then I'll get on to favorite spaces because it's popped up. But this always comes up when I'm like, yes, we have a park. And yes, they're not always within eyesight. So being outdoors gives you kind of that reverence of feeling like, okay, the world is bigger than me. And so um, tiny people usually don't want to be away from the people that they feel like can protect them. And so that's an ongoing conversation. So circling back. So we have the 20 acre meadow and then right past that, there is a really beautiful trail. It's very foresty. We call that the dirt trail. And so we're always all together in age mix, but we call our nature school um, like our three to seven year olds. I think a lot of ALCs call that roots. That's kind of our age. So that is their natural boundary without an adult. So favorite spots of that is 
Um, I think every one of them have a tree right now. And so like, I have to go talk to my tree. I need to check on my tree. Um, can I have your phone? I need to go take a picture of what my tree looks like today. Oh my goodness, you have to see the way the sun is coming down on my tree. Um, there's a cardinal in my tree. So that's that's been a really special thing that's been kind of ongoing. Um, it's not a new thing. It's been a pretty anchored practice of right at the forest line. They all feel like I'm the, like very protective of these trees and that they are their friends. Okay, so that's, and we have a creek right to the left of that. So that is the backyard. And then going into the park, some favorite spots are a bunch of like 11 to 14 year olds right now have been building a fort that's probably about a 10 minute walk away. So that's deep in the park and they are going to let us know when it is ready to be toured. And there are a lot of people very excited about that. We have a couple of old forts in the, we have Fort 1 and Fort 2, Fort 3. The naming process has obviously gotten very in-depth. Um, we have a climbing hill that we visit often. We do that a lot. Um, there is a, this is Oklahoma, so we have a lot of red dirt. And there is a, by one of the creek systems, a pretty large piece of land that is just red clay so we call that mars it also has a lot of craters so we spend a lot of time at mars there is playground equipment but we have not gone there during covid um but there it is somewhere within the hundred acres um let's see what else is there? there's pavilions there are i mean such as parks but yes and the trails but those are some of our favorites climbing hill our trees the dirt trail, Mars. See, recently we our pods, our outdoor groups were smaller through the cold months, and they've just started kind of coming back. So we've also just started learning and relearning, like what does poison ivy look like? Here's how mm. to do a tick check. Yes. Um, what I don't are, actually know what creatures you have or what plants like what does that all sound like for you mm -hmm. so we had a these are talks that we have revisited as we do especially this week well last week was a big tick safety week um even so if we were like let's get parents involved and reiterate at home and let's not talk about this too little let's make it a big talk so yeah lots of tick checks and we watched a class about tick safety and we have a new tick like checking location and partners and yeah we have copperheads so we had a that look at all of the snakes that look like copperheads this week and compare them and let's remember to walk hill toe and watching our feet walk when especially in the unearthed place um yeah we we have snakes and that's a a big one in ticks that we had some of our biggest freezes ever this year and the ticks are not gone at all. So I guess I'm leaning towards that. It's, that's a myth. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know. People were like, it's great. It's so warm so early. And I was like, oh no. Like, <laughs> just, like, yeah. The mosquitoes are yeah. just... TikTok brings a lot, 
not the app, but the actual talking of Tick brings a lot of, um, uh, also talks on how the brain works because it's like, isn't that fascinating how we're all itchy because we're talking about ticks. And so, yeah, you know, good, uh, little neuroscience talk, psychology talk. It's like, that's how powerful this thing is. <laughs> we are all now absolutely itchy. Yeah. We had that with the poison ivy chat yesterday. Suddenly everyone's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Can I ask about inside boundaries? Like, how do you, sure. how did you set your boundaries for the kids being in your home? Oh, um, yeah, I think, so I've always been really intentional to never call this my home. And I like, even if people are like, Amber, do you have scissors? I'm like, do I have scissors or do, does the school have scissors? So I always, I think I felt it all happened really fast because we got rivers and roads fast. And then to balance, we actually rented our first year. And so like talking these people into, hey, we want to run a school out of this home and we want to rent it. (laughs) And because it wasn't for sale. I mean, it wasn't for rent. It was for sale. But we were not in a financial place to buy at that point in time. So they were most comfortable when I like, well, someone needs to live there. And so I uprooted. So I felt it always was important to me to be like, no, I have a house and it's like my room and it's very large size. It's about the size of what my apartment was before. So that wasn't that hard of an adjustment. I have a closet in the bathroom. Um, but yeah, it was always important to me of like, no, this is the school and I like have a house that's separate. But um, yeah, I, I never wanted that kind of hierarchy of like, this is Amber's house. It made me uncomfortable. Um, is it, I guess if it has, if there's a separate apartment space that helps, like people here have mentioned, um, having a space that's both like a residence and a school. And for me, I'm always like, it was work to, you know, be like, actually, when we're running an evening event, I need everyone to leave on time because mm-hmm. I need to shift back out of, like, because I'm working right now, as fun as this is. Right. Uh, That's real. Yeah. I um I think I've kind of leaned into it in times past of, like, okay, so this is just, like, a really great opportunity for me to actually vocalize boundaries. Um because yeah, that's a great skill and something to practice. It's like, oh no, I do need everyone out at this time. Or if it is something that's bothering me, like we'll just handle it then. Um, it hasn't thus far, but yeah, I think if anything, it's, I mean, it's really only been a plus for both myself personally and the school, like on a financial side and just having someone here makes it easier. Ask me next year, and that could be a different answer. So, <laughs> yeah, totally. That's awesome, though, that it's been working out. I see a lot of pictures on your amazing social media of the indoor offerings that you guys have going. What kind of stuff okay. do you do inside? Like personally, or as a school? Ooh, uh, I mean, 
those. Okay. What if I, let's see, I can talk through today. We have been really into 3D printing. We got a 3D printer, um, which has been fun. We are now like into printing things and now painting like small details onto them. And so seeing this whole practice evolve because it's not something that just instantly gets off the ground. So seeing like who will stick with that. There's a lot of maintenance that goes into a 3D printer. Um, they do not just work on accident. Um, so it's that's been really fun. I didn't know that I would enjoy the research about all the little parts as much as I have, but I've enjoyed facilitating that. Um, 3D printers are, like, if you're like, hey, I would like some challenges in my life, you should absolutely get a 3D printer for anyone that is looking for that, but I have enjoyed it. Um, uh, what else did we do today? I'll just talk through the day and go backwards. Um, we went to a thrift store. We're trying to put together a mud kitchen, um, but we're talking inside. Oh, science experiments went down today. They're in making YouTube videos for that. Um, we're really um in our last six week block have trying to balance out like how many offerings are currently happening and how much is like that's enjoyed the last part of the year which um like as in contrast to being in public school or even progressive education I think that is something that I'm really noticing about what is so powerful about unschooling and self-directed is like this end of the year time, like there is no urgency going, there is no like conveyor belt kickoff feeling of like, well, I, you tested, so now, I mean, now you can have free time because it doesn't matter anymore. So it's um, like, for instance, like a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old looked at me and they was like, hey, I want to learn cursive today. And I was like, can we go get something for that? I was like, yeah. Um, and that kind of flipped because it's like, no, it's the end of the year. Like the old like feelings like this is our relaxed time. But they most of the students we have have always done self-directed. So it's I'm learning from them like, no, it really is lifelong. And they're, they, the way they feel it and see it, it's like that's how they're experiencing the world. That is a sidebar. You're asking me about inside offerings. But that was just a note as I am unwinding from what happened today. Cursive happened today. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of creative writing workshops. I enjoy sitting and writing and telling stories. I enjoy scribing for people as they are learning how to be independent writers and just would like their stories told. Um, I love facilitating a book club. I'm really into movement offerings. I we got a wood shop we have power tools now so I enjoy doing that I do a lot of cooking classes you know just whatever is coming at me I really love a spontaneous moment I love um what's going on today cool I'd like to do that um those are the things that I hold a lot of space for it's my personal facilitation, but yeah, I guess I said, what does the whole school do? And I am not the person to talk to about that. 
our social media is a good check <laughs> of what does the whole school do. Um, we post um, schedules there sometimes. Cool. Yeah. Because you mentioned doing writing workshops. And mm-hmm. I notice your kids do a lot of, I don't know whether they do them with you, but like a lot of storytelling like content producing whether it's brochures or short films or I saw there's a podcast mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and I'm wondering about like facilitating them learning like honing their skills as storytellers mm-hmm. and what that experience is like for you and if there's any like trips or tricks or tips you have for people who are new to that yeah um that's a great question um storytelling is very important to me so I guess that is something that I model not with the intention of like I'm going to model this so other people do it but I think that it just is natural to me and um like a reverent practice to me something I just enjoy with um so yes I can talk on uh we'll do like just I can speak on creative writing specifically, and then we could talk on like uh, podcasting and YouTube videos. I'll go that way. So creative writing, we do all the time um, because if someone has a down moment, I'll be like, well, do you want to tell me a story? And humans love telling their stories. Um, I try to um, give tips to our personal parents on this a lot of like, please don't downplay telling stories to your children about a random time when you were 11 like they grasp on to these things like they'll come tell me they'll be like oh yeah did you know my parent did this and like they went to and like they they aren't they're so impressed with simplicity and so that's like a magic that I try to really capture and try not to like diminish of like well that's not academic so I think these these skills are really easy within self-directed spaces because they're very obvious and they're very natural. So as long as we're not doing like weird things to it, it just is a constant creative process. Like if they ask me like, wait, is that, is this one the comma on the top or the bottom? And I'm like, oh, you mean apostrophe or comma? And so like, I'm happy to give grammar tips as they come. And we learn a lot about grammar that way, but that's never the intention. So I'm just down for the flow of storytelling Um, we do storytelling prompts we listen to um, a podcast called what if world and so that's a lot of starters and so sometimes we'll do what they did that week or we'll just come up with our own what if that's the what if we had five million dollars um so we'll just uh, we start our morning meetings a lot of just who has a story to tell is it a real one or not? Or will we find out as it goes? Um, yeah, I model, I think, the actual act of writing a lot with like pen and paper. I am happy to assist people to learn how to be independent um, with audio recordings um, and get them the technology to uh, voice to text. I think that we do weird things with writing as adults. And we don't, um, we maybe have forgotten the complexity that is like, let me think about holding this pencil the right way and moving it in all the right directions and be creative 
and not stop and not get frustrated. So I try to um, get good reads on where you at and help in the places that might block you and just that you be able to tell your stories. So that's like creative writing. And then when you see, we do do a lot of like stop motion, YouTubing, podcasting, just like get, make things. Um, a lot of that is Taryn because she is a great wizard with technology. Um, but we, that comes mainly from just the cycle of ALC and the learning of like, okay, creation and sharing. And so what does that look like for you? Um, it does not have to be a blog every week, but like let's practice this as an art and a lifestyle. And like, that can just be you telling me something, um, especially as people are navigating the World Wide web. There's a lot of people that don't consent to putting their work out on the internet. And I completely understand that and feel that that is never why we are creating or <laughs> making these things. But um, yeah, just that we do put an emphasis on let's share something that's create like what have you done and that it can look like anything I think we at the beginning of rivers and roads when we're like okay um because if you have started any type of school ALC self-directed progressive you know that first year is just like hold on tight well at least from my experience <laughs> and some people I've you kind of just like, okay, we're doing this. And like, um, that's why I thought like the beauty of joining the ALC network was it's like, we were like standing on the shoulder of so much like labor of love and like so many people that came before us, you just like felt way more grounded in something. Like I can never like be grateful for that enough. But um, like, I think I, within like, what have I done with my life? Like, can I do this imposter syndrome thing? So I was like, okay, I read that we do blog posts on Fridays. And so we would like, okay, everyone, we're blogging. It's Friday, we're blogging. And, and so there was a lot of anxiety around that. And it was a lot of like force and it was a lot of like combating. And so I think throughout that and like, wait, this is weird. You're making this weird, Amber. Like, um, pause for a second. You're like really attached to this one statement. Um, so what is it? Like, I think we've all sat and co-created that together. Like, what does it mean to like share and what does it mean to, yes, reflect and yes. So I think a lot of that has just come through that journey. Yeah. Oh man. That's such a kind of classic new facilitator learning right is to be like oh like it's actually not about the tool like yeah. what is the tool supposed <laughs> to do all right what is the like path of ease and like fulfillment <laughs> to tend that progress? right maybe it means yeah, you throw the tool out you mentioned progressive school can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about your journey to sure starting rivers and roads and sd and all that yeah so we had, I have always like known that the education system didn't work for who I am as a person. I, I grew up and like, I went to public school, but the way I was raised was like very socially unschooled. Like I was very respected. I like my voice genuinely mattered. Like 
I so I had like um which is hard to also be a kid that has been like told like no you don't get to be like people have to treat you like a human and then you go to public school and you're like hey you're being rude like you can't talk to kids like that so I've had a lot of like practice and discourse of arguing with um teachers through my life so I but I went to college and back and forth I was trying to avoid education for a lot of reasons I was pre-law most of the time um but then I finish and I have a degree in education and there was a progressive school in my area and then I also did a little stint with the Peace Corps which is another conversation just <laughs> we'll, we'll move into yes it's we could really unload on how that got me to self-directed but um but anyway so I come back and I was back at my progressive school and which was really um a privilege because I'd been there I'd worked there on and off from the time I was 19 so I kind of did really early adulthood there um and got to see they were in their fourth year when I started so I've seen like how to grow a school and make a school and the problems and what can happen fast if you aren't grounded in something and how the school can change rapidly because of money and pressure and so I've just experienced a lot of that but as we were having some problems and like there was a group of people that were like okay what are we because that's a really big problem I think in progressive schools is there it's very buzzworthy and I think for me as a human I was like no I need like substance I need like you say like you're just saying the word Montessori and you're saying the word Reggio Emilia and you're saying it's student-led but it isn't um and you're saying it's democratic but like they I mean you're just letting them vote in the name of like voting to say like hey we did this and we're just trying to check all the boxes and keep everyone happy so there was a group of people like really dedicated to like okay there's other people in the world doing things like that's really hone in on who we are what we are and so we actually went to aero conference and that is like when i first like let me back up we did a book club as a staff over a peter gray book there is a quote that he said that like progressive schooling is more harmful because it is saying that two kids like you you're free and you have a say but it's actually more manipulative at the end of the day because that isn't the truth and i mean i did a the ego thing that a lot of people do i was like oh my gosh this guy like he doesn't know me like i would never um and i was so offended but uh and and it stuck with me but i definitely was defensive and i was like does he not know how good i am with kids you know all the annoying things how many hours i put into this how but anyway so there was kind of like the the quote and through him a lot uh, we went to aero conference and that's how when i learned about alcs because there were a group of people there it was in seattle port it was in portland and i met people there and just started taking it all in and i was like okay our school's going to do this like 
we're going to make it happen. And it, it wasn't, and that's okay too. But at the time I actually started doing ALC tools in my second and third grade classroom. Cause that is the way that we were mixed age was um, two grades. But um, I started doing that, but I also had too much of the right information to me. Like my truths were revealed within unschooling and self-direction and what I knew was right and important. And so, like, for instance, there was a student of mine who was, this is a second grade, so like a seven-year-old, filling notebooks, like, full of comics. Like, I'm not being dramatic, notebooks full. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. Like, he is, like, so, and he's so proud. And, And there was a couple of things, and this isn't the only thing, but there was a moment where I was like, we have to do math. Like we just have to, because that's the way this school runs. And like, oh, I'm just going to, so he looks at me and he's like, but I I can't stop. And I, but I'm in my mind, he has to like, literally it's my job to make him stop what he's doing. And I was like, and I said these words and I, he's beautiful and precious. And he's looking at me and I said, I need you to do this for me. Like, please. And like, I saw him like sacrifice what he was doing because of our relationship. And it clicked to me. I was like, oh, this is really gross. Like I have spent a lot of time building a very strong relationship with this person so that he can be manipulated by me. Um, And so I felt at that time that like a lot of my energy was going into making genuine relationships, but it's so that I could have power over their choices. And it was very scary to see, I would never want to like make light of the situation, but like those types of like blurring the lines of like what is consent and what is like adults manipulating your relationships with you and like, like breaking trust with you and like you genuinely trust me. So you're doing this, but like, I don't believe it's the right thing. You just have to do it and you have to listen to me. And then also that person's mom was like, he didn't put a period at the end of one of his like mini comics. And she was like, he doesn't even know grammar. And I was like, Oh yeah, this, <laughs> this isn't for me. <laughs> um, but uh, Taryn and I, cause Taryn is the other co-founder co-director. She, we also worked at that school together. And so just the like accumulation and it was time for us to leave. It was, we were, yeah, it was, we left and it was good and we have been doing this together and yeah so I think that speaks enough on like the my big things on like why I can't do progressive education I would prefer to do public education because of that my experience with like I do not want to make light of the word grooming um but it it really feels like it's very manipulative um, the kids are very told that they have freedom and that they have autonomy. And I spent a lot of time like building a lot of trust just to use it to things. So yeah, that was my experience. How did you and Taryn like pick each other to do the new thing with? Um, yeah, I, there's a, yeah, um, I don't think we picked each other. I just think it's meant to be. Like, I just, we, 
have always just like been able to work really well together. She had a um, part of her position at our old school was like floating through the classrooms. And like, we just, we have like, are lucky to have like unspoken times. Like we don't really have to like communicate that much to each other. It's like a natural thing. So when, and she just, you know, was sharing a lot of the same problems and concerns. And there was, um, other things that play as far as like the adult dynamics go so that kind of you know bonds people um and she was in the same book club she read the same quotes it was her truth as well um yeah we and so yeah I don't think it was a choice I think we were supposed to do this so here we are sweet (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) Are there um, kind of like de-schooling moments that are that you remember poignantly from your first years? Oh yeah, um, I think the most de-schooling was though how like from our old school. I think it's how the adults that work at schools are I don't want to say treated but um maybe I'll just go with treated um that was a lot of the de-schooling that we had to do um like I think as far as like hustle and grind and like breaking those things that I don't agree with but we all love to say how busy we are I mean I at our old school we had we had two meetings um, after school as full staff a week that would both like go into 630 um, where where we just got to make all the choices for the kids <laughs> but it was long hours um, I was available at all times on my phone and you could call me at any time with any complaint or anything that you thought I was doing wrong or at any time and I was having to fill that um and you just have to keep people really happy, especially in private progressive schools, because, um, and it's also was a, yeah, it's a lot about, it's a different, progressive schools also have a different outlook than I agree on the socioeconomic, uh, and accessibility. And so it's just a demo, different, different demographic of people. However, some of that did come to our new school. And I was just not able, I knew things were wrong, but I wasn't able to be like, no, I'm a human too. And I'm a part of this community too. And like, I have boundaries and um, you cannot call me at 10 at night because you've like, just in this moment decided that you've ruined your child's life and you would like to talk it out with me now. But I did a lot of that for the first year. Like I did a lot of people pleasing. I did a lot of um, adult like placating and the name of like I'm afraid they're gonna pull their kids um I think I had to like de-school from a lot of like um what is the uh, role of how society teaches teaches teachers um sorry treats teachers um just because it's a role that's usually seen as one that's lesser than and very labor enforced and not valued and so I wanted to make sure that that's not how the kids here were seeing us treated. Um, 
but some women, most of the de-schooling things just came from like, how do we value educators? How do we treat them? How do we communicate to them? I'm not an employee of yours. Um, uh, some of your problems I don't agree with. That first year, I, I dropped a lot of things to pe- people please a lot. And so that was mainly my de-schooling was like, what does it mean to be an educator in a self-directed space? And yeah. Yeah. But as far as like the academic things that none of, uh, I think having an education background makes it really easy for me because it's like so obvious. I I never have, like that's never been a worry or a concern of mine that much just because like when you fully allow a child and like you really do it and you're not just halfway say that you do it, but you like really let them just be and let them do this. Like it, that's easy. But when the problems come, it's like, okay, I'm going to do self-direction, but we're going to do this and this. And I'm going to like the whole time be miserable and terrified and I and scared. Like that's when your kids shut down. And that's a different thing. That's not getting an education. That's more of a, this might not be right for your family. So I think that's where I've like de-schooled the most is like having a lot of peace of like, oh, that's okay. And so like the saviorism that comes with just like that I needed to de-school from, I was like, you actually don't have to do this for people because that's not what they're asking for either. So I was doing a lot of like emotional labor that people weren't even explicitly asking for, but I just like felt like leftover of like what I think an educator should do is like hold everyone's hand and carry all their weight and be everything for them. So yeah, but the, as far, if you want to talk on like the academic part, that was easy just because in my, the college I went to um, is a liberal arts school. So they had a pretty progressive education program. So I had a lot of experience with like, how do humans actually learn? None of the schooling I did was actually applicable to anything teaching wise and that was like always the sad part about my classes is we would learn so many great like philosophies and like hands-on ways to learn or to facilitate learning I learned so much at my school on how to facilitate learning and then they'll be like but you can't actually do this in your school and like oh I'm really sorry so like even the best intention teachers like you're not gonna have time to do this like this is the right way but they're gonna keep you so busy jumping through hoops like you'll be too exhausted to do this but if you want to look at like how do humans actually learn it's this way so that that was a really natural easy transition for me it was more just like how does me as an adult like de-school making this the best school for kids and not the best school for adults <laughs> how it, do you still do you have other staff members right now how many of you so are there? with covid we only have taryn and i here in person so we cut our numbers like over in half to like do a, a pod um, and that's slowly growing back as things are unfolding um but yeah, it's just Taryn and I here. We have had people still doing online offerings and things like that, but in person, it's just Taryn and I. Got it. Okay. Um. So when you've had pre-COVID in the before times, 
Mm-hmm. Um, when mm-hmm. you were bringing new facilitators in to your space and your and into your like partnership dynamic, um, what? How did you facilitate that transition? That's a great question. Um, we have a specific program called Wildflowers, and that's our like. If you ever see like when babies are here, that's them. Um, we're very uh mixed age uh so that when you have such littles here that's like a more full-time role the it's like what I'm doing there is pretty obvious and then um the uh, bringing other people in I think has been just easier because it has well, one, they've all been parents. So like usually they're just working through like, what does it mean to be a parent and a facilitator? So that's been most of it is like just being able to separate like, okay, we're people's check-in people if you are learning how to be a parent and facilitator. So I think most of our dynamics have really just been focusing on like, how do we help people that also have kids here? But that's, so something that has happened because of COVID is I uh, one of my siblings is 16, and so he now goes here full-time, and he lives with me part-time. And so that I kind of can speak on those things now, too. But it's, um, yeah, he's doing unschooling full-time and thriving. and But, yeah, we get to live together part-time now, which is very special. Um, I think it worked and was easy to blend just because, Karen and I are not parents and so we kind of that's how we balance because those are two different things I was listening to Julia's interview on your podcast and I enjoyed that insight I was like yes I feel this those are that's real talk (laughs) yeah it was so real and it's interesting from having only been on the other side yeah (laughs) yes I, I I now I mean no partly I mean we're still siblings and so I think that's different and I've also seen people parent um in here and so know like how I want to show up with someone that I have a really close relationship with and community and making that um vibe for everyone and so I've been able to like observe and witness and hopefully apply those things to myself as also a non-parent but someone who then, you know, has allo-parented or otherwise had young people in the space where it's like, I am your facilitator and also this person with this other relationship. Um, I've learned when and how I have to watch myself. And it's usually like, yes, I'll give you lunch money. Oh, wait, does that mean I have to give the whole class lunch money? Because that's a lot. Um, have you had any experiences that you feel comfortable speaking to where you're like oh which role am I in right now oh yeah I mean I think we'll just we can go on food because that's obviously a big one (laughs) um yeah it's it's hard um we have we also um, didn't take any new students in this year um just because like the times are so weird anyways so you I mean, you've lived through it, you're here. (laughs) But we didn't want to, like, some things were going to be different. And so we didn't, 
we needed there to be a foundational relationship. Um, but yeah, I think just like having to explain that, like, yes, this, but this, like a lot of, <laughs> a lot of those things, a lot of like, I hear you. And like, especially in food, like food's such a love language of mine. Like if I had unlimited food to like make meals for everyone all the time. And so I do have to have those conversations of like, um, I wish, and that's another thing of living here too, of like, those were hard boundaries for me. I would give all my food all the time. Like I love gifting people with meals. I love sharing snacks. Like that's, it's a big thing for me. So I guess like having him here as well as like having shared food here all is just like me working and communicating and also like wait why does this make me feel guilty or like why am I feeling uncomfortable and like can I explain this to them can they give me feedback on like are they actually feeling bad or like am I turning something into guilt that they were just like passively just mean like no I literally just wish I could also be having that food and not me making it into something it isn't so it's been pretty natural um I mean, I think something I try to be really aware of is like bickerings that you have within a close relationship. Um, and so like not wanting other people to be uncomfortable or like, can we pause on this and like do it in non-shared hours? Um, because we're now making it like a whole community about two people. Um, something because our na- school is called Rivers and Roads, I think we say like, if like, we even do this with like sharing sound. If like you're taking up all the sound in the room, like you are the loud person today. It's like, well, like, oh, it's not Amber's and Rhodes, it's Rivers and Rhodes. So like we kind of <laughs> do the language. And so I try to like just like default to a little bit of humor when I'm like, oh wait, this is like a relationship thing that needs to be like done at a different time. And so that's kind of like an indicator, like, let's pause this. We we can circle back, but like it it does not make this space or this time about healing our relationship because unless it was like I'm your facilitator and you're a student and yeah thank you (laughs) I love that the humor (laughs) yeah you know sometimes you just like throw it out a little bit like (laughs) yeah well and it's like in the moments where I'm like oh I need to soften right it's Mm -hmm. like the energy actually wants to escalate and wants me to get harder right now and it's like okay how do I deliberately soften yes and soften in a way that like makes that an appealing route for other people too potentially like yeah yes yeah that is a wizardry to learn the balance of that I have um I've hurt people's feelings by like throwing out humor when I like my intention was like yes I would like the I feel it escalating but then they were like you don't care so yeah uh, luckily I'm just in a space where people can let me know and give me feedback and I can that's a skill of mine I can balance many relationships at a time so especially when I, I'm given such honest clear feedback so <laughs> it is a useful skill mm-hmm. so you you facilitate the alpha balls and I've been doing that for three years mm-hmm you speak a little bit to facilitate like that's different facilitating right it's holding space for grown-ups yeah yeah so I it is different this year uh, than it has been in previous years and Mel and I were reflecting on that last week 
and we were saying like well I think I was working through like does this does the call still have value does it still is it still a good space that we're holding like because this year and I love what it is we get on and we're like what are you creating and what are you watching and like I mean try not to doom talk too much but there's been a lot of it this year and that's healthy too but like sometimes I think we like try to make it a little space where it's like okay I would like to breathe for a minute and like what reality tvs have you been watching what murders have you delved into with their documentary um what have you knitted like what are you eating like very relationship building and we do that with Jean as well um and so it's just really been the three of us most of the year so this this week I was um talking I was like so does does this thing still have worth does it and I was like well, I mean, absolutely, because um, we're just surviving, and I love surviving talking about TV. That is um, something I can do really good at that. So, um, but also, like, there, it's not, as far as I'm aware, it's, people aren't starting a lot of projects right now, and, like, rightfully so. I know that there were a couple of projects that started, like, in the heat of this, and, like, honestly send them so much kudos because I cannot imagine like not already being established like oh that's that's big um but so there aren't a lot of like starting projects and that's like where we usually hold like a lot of like space for support because there's like a just people want but so in the past BC I held I love holding space for venting like I love a good vent session I've learned a lot about, um, recently I've been watching this TikToker that is explaining that, like, people label, like, gossip and venting was, like, by design to be labeled bad, and it's, like, all from the patriarchy, and it's, like, really rings true, because it's really just people are trying to, like, very much, like, reflect on, like, either something that they saw with their eyes, and they would like to process it verbally, and they don't really need anything back, but they would just like to, how do I feel with this? thing that I saw or felt and so yes I enjoy really like experiencing the world with event sessions so I'm happy to like hop on and like what weird call did you get at 10 30 at night when someone decided to run their they ran their child's life because <laughs> those are heavy times like the first year uh, this is not uh Amber gets on and bashes the first year of school talk but I <laughs> seem to be circling back to that it is just um I'm happy to hold space to listen to people just like I would just really like to say that this was hard or like this was like a big feeling or I also really love holding space for like what is the weirdest thing you saw today and what is the silliest thing that was said to you today or like what question like made your jaw drop or what did you have to research so I love just hearing about like what are people in the world doing at different ALC so I just I just love open-ended space. So it's like, we aren't doing that this year. And so like the reflecting kind of like a meta way of like, well, if we weren't still holding this space and like we weren't still making this practice a thing, like it would dissolve. And so like, there, but there will be a time again when like people are searching for that. So I don't know. It just feels happy and good that we were able to like, 
deepen our relationships with each other as facilitators and as friends. And um, it's been really great and I'm happy to do it. And I'll also be happy when people are seeking out more support or not, because I'm also down to talk with Gene and Mel about painting and TV (laughs) and what food we're eating. These are all topics I love. Awesome. Yeah, that's been... Um, Mel and I would would tell people when they were starting calls, we're like, oh, pick somebody you're excited to have dinner with and just like have your weekly dinner date. Um, because then if it turns into people showing up with questions, like, sure, that's a kind of productive, right? Um, and if no one shows up for three weeks, like, oh my gosh, this person I love is also here. Like, great, also great. So, and I'm. it always makes me happy to know, one, that those spaces exist, and two, like, as the network's grown and I can't check in with all of everyone I love, sometimes I worry about people having enough, like, support. Um, and so knowing that those calls are kind of an ongoing thing, I'm like, oh, yeah, and I think people have each other. Like that's really great. And I, I was um, intimidated. I think at the beginning to get on because I think when you first start, it, it, the network as a whole feels bigger than you. Well, that's my experience. Um, and so, but I knew that I wanted to like contribute to something that I just consumed a lot from, like having a network and having a starter kit and having just like no, look, we're a real thing. See, there are other schools. <laughs> like, I didn't make this up. Um, uh, it's so, It was so valuable. And, and I think I, but you don't have a lot of, like, extra to give all the time. And so I, um, I think for me, it was like, okay, well, I'll just get on a call and I'll listen. And like, that was like, the, I was like, I can just show up. And like, that's how I can support. And so it's, it has kind of transformed into something where I'm like, oh, I know these are like people I'm in relationship with and it feels very connected and good and right. Um, Especially in the time when all we could do was Zoom. Like it was nice that that practice was already there because that was such a disorienting feeling. And so it's like, no, there are still people and there are still things. And so, yeah, that was good. So you mentioned arrow and having Mm -hmm. been there and the early years of the ALC network and progressive ed world in its own way and um a lot of my work in those spaces has been being like oh wow look at these white men talking and setting rules and who's actually doing the labor and whose stories are given value, whose stories matter, all that kind of stuff. Um, And a a lot of my work has been trying to um, like disrupt the pattern in SDE land of continuing what default education does, of upholding like cishet white colonizer patriarchy. And that is also work I know you do locally and in your contribution to like the bigger movement so I was curious if you could speak to any of what that's looked like for you either at school or in network calls all that kind of stuff 
yeah, I can, I can definitely, and that's been a lot of my de-schooling, I guess, like, that I think of that as, like, who I am as a person, like, who is Amber, and, like, not at, like, who do I show up at Rivers and Roads as, um, that's been important to me to learn how to de-school from, like, my personal white saviorism, and how do I show up in the world, and, I mean, um, I think how much space do I take up? I, I try to be mindful of just if we're talking about like who is Amber in the SDE world, I think I do um, try to just really hold our space and build our part of the world rather than being a really like loud, continuous voice of like, hey, I'm doing this thing um, because I'm really aware that I'm holding space for an art and practice and a life that I am trying to heal and create that other people have already been doing and do not have enough credit for. So I think like my personal facilitation in like SDE world is like really just like focusing on doing what you're doing and doing work here so that the space is ready and able to amplify other voices. I think that um, I definitely when I'm doing newsletters, I'm very mindful of who I'm highlighting as far as like here are articles or podcasts because I think that is very important um I think I live in a very specific part of um, the USA where I get a lot of opportunities to just like have healthy discourse and talk about these things that like people haven't really had introduction to so I try to just stay in really like a healthy Zen place where I'm not in reactive mode all the time. I think that's something I've been trying to be intentional about um, because I think when you start de-schooling and you realize like, what, what did, was I upholding? Who am I? Like I, my intentions have really hurt people. I think like there's like a pro- part where you're really angry. And so you like, you see other people making choices and you are seeing that reflected in yourself. And so you just like, go at their jugular and so I think how I try to show up is like really doing inner work to where I can healthily have like not lay down and be like I'm having common ground with you because I don't really think that is always healthiest but like how can I show up in a place where I'm like can amplify other voices in a way that's a healthy discourse to where we can have healing and um I trying to remember who's I'm a little fuzzy on like the history of other parts of this territory but I'm like Oklahoma is unusual in that you have the ancestral like indigenous stewards and a bunch of other indigenous peoples like forced relocations were two parts of the area that you're in right yeah I don't actually know a lot about the, like what that history means now yeah and so I uh, and there's a lot of um, sovereign land being handed back right now and so there um, there's um I actually grew up in an area that um where three of their tribe headquarters are so I got like the privilege of like being able to experience and witness like some really beautiful culture and long-standing heritage and seeing people work really hard to preserve their language 
and um, how their experience with nature and animals and how to make sure not to like um, whitewash uh, nature and uh, nature schooling and what does that mean to be someone that like um, forces their idea of what is recycling of what is eco-friendly and what is like saving the earth so um, I think I, I was privileged enough to be able to witness like a, a lot of that to just also know when to speak and when to listen thanks yeah it was like that's a whole separate research thing that maybe I shouldn't go on the record about until I've done more reading but I'm like ooh, does nature schooling have a colonizer program problem the way democratic ed has a white man problem like where are they the same and how are they different yeah I mean I was just talking on a support call about that I think we someone went off on a recycling thing and I was like we have to be really careful there's like way bigger issues going on uh, when we want to talk about what's harming the earth than like somebody perfectly scrubbing out their yogurt can like cup um but those are the people that are like no I can save the earth and so there's um and the whole I mean I personally for myself eat plant-based but know that that those two things going hand in hand is very problematic and how we speak on that and how we show up and especially when it comes to native and indigenous people like and trying to force that on other cultures when like that was never the problem I mean nature schooling goes hand in hand on everyone I mean I yeah I could definitely talk about that and the documentaries that we put forward and yeah whose faces are shown and I say yeah I mean I don't know I don't I always think on that when I just want to really be here and be present and be at rivers and roads and like how do I show up online? I want to just be our social media showing what we're doing just because, I mean, it is Taryn and I who are this het white women and like, we aren't, we didn't make up any of this. Um, and so I don't want like, look at these, like we've never done, this is the first time I've ever gone on the record with anyone just for this reason. That's I'm like, oh, let's talk with my friend Abby. But, you know, we've never, people have asked us to do newspaper articles because um, they're excited about what we're doing. but. I think like I that's not even how I want to show up in the world. I would rather like, oh yeah, let me send you this class that I took or let me this book. And I think that that's important. Um, I don't know. I think where I'm at right now is just like lean into our space to make it to where when other people start hearing be, about like, hey, I would like to do something different with my life, that those that this place is just available. Yeah, I go back and forth, and I mean this. The podcast project is part of that for me too, where I'm like, oh, as a like white woman and settler and someone who's moved a whole bunch. Yeah, I'm like, oh, where do I like should I just be quiet? And I did that for a long time. And what happened was white men with less awareness than me took all the air and I was like, okay, maybe me being quiet is often the right thing, but I uh, maybe <laughs> actually maybe not maybe not absolutely and and yeah there's times and seasons for all of it right now I just like no like for that's just where I'm at yeah no totally to okay so the fun question and kind of dovetailing off that um whose work have you loved and 
like who has informed your facilitation or if there's oh. like particular resources or experiences you want to shout out I like am such an Akilah Richards stan like hardcore um it's like maybe a problem I we use her course um to like as part of our like entry level like before you tour like is ALC the right fit for your family I love her book I love all of her podcasts Um, like definitely yeah so I love Akilah I who have I been reading lately oh I Octavia Butler which I know that you also love I'm rereading Parable of the Sower for the third time because they came out with that new insert, if you're aware. Um, and so they were like, the third time was like when it really clicked. So I'm doing that right now. I love a good science fiction story. And like, that's how I reimagine the world. So I'm enjoying that. Um, who else do I love? That's where I'm at right now. Um, I don't know. I have like a lot of like kids work that I follow and love. And yeah. Do <laughs> Like, those are most of my influences. I'm pretty um, into what they do. Kids specifically around you and hanging out there. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. what I mean. Like, I'm deeply, I stand all of them. I'm uh, into their work. Yeah, there. Sweet, all right. Is there anything that you were hoping I would ask about and I didn't? Let's see, I actually did write, I wrote down keywords just in case, like, I panicked. But I did not, unless <laughs> you didn't. But what are your key? <laughs> well, um, a thing uh, that I've also been facilitating lately. When I was like, "What does facilitating mean? How do I show up in the world outside of rivers and roads as a facilitator?" And like that was like a fun thing to like. Okay, what is it? What's the practice of facilitating? And I think to me, like, really means holding space and like being in a healthy place to where I can hold stuff for you and I can help you but I also am myself and I'm existing um, but I just finished my doula certification so uh, we I actually had to write a paper at the end of it of like what will your doula practice look like and I was able to just like parallel it all to like how I facilitate self-direction and I really enjoyed like that I liked writing that paper um, because it was really cool for me to make those connections of like, okay, somebody is on a life journey, whether it is childhood or birth, and they would like some support, and they are able to claim how they would like the support, and I'm here to just hold that space, and I want them to come out on the other side, like feeling empowered from their experience. And I want them to come out feeling like they were in the most control as they could and they feel good about it. And they are like now entering the next part, whether that be postpartum or early adulthood, like feeling like I had the least amount of trauma as possible. And now I feel set up to like take on this new thing. Um, So I really liked like what does facilitating mean? Like I'm not coming up with... Like, within, like, my doula practice, like, with people that are um, giving birth, like, I'm not giving medical advice. I'm not coming up with any of this. Like, I'm holding your hand, and I'm like, I'm here, and we can talk about all of these things, and some people do this, and some people do that, and what do you think will work best for you? 
And I mean, that's how I definitely facilitate anything that you want to learn too. Um, want to talk about math? Like some people do this and some people do that, but you're always doing this. So like, what would you like? Um, and I'm here to remind you like, oh yeah, you had mentioned this. Um, <laughs> and I, and I just want, that's yeah. Something I'm pretty good at is staying grounded and calm. So both of those things go hand in hand. So I just, I enjoyed writing that paper. Like what is facilitating? Well, yeah, thank you. I love that you mentioned that. And congratulations. Thanks. I think that's why I went blank too. And you're like, whose work are you enjoying? Because all of the things that I've read or consumed lately is all on dual work and decolonizing dual work. And I mean, who's doing <laughs> I work on? Yeah. So I, like, I want that uh, What is self-direction? But yes. Um, yeah, I just finished that literally like two days ago. It's been a fun year-long class that I joined. It's like I should do a new life skill during pandemic. So yeah. Wait, but who's doing decolonizing doula work? Can I send you a million resources specifically sure. on it, Instagram? <laughs> yeah, yeah, great. Okay. Um, there's there's a lot of good good stuff there. Great. Okay, I will put that in the show notes. And now now that I know how I've learned. Ooh. Um, and out life skills um yeah there's a part in i think it's an emergent strategy and adrian marie brown talks about a doula um and it's funny because i've been mostly reading and following deaf doulas so like um i forget alua's like business name but she's amazing but the the line was like engage tension don't indulge drama and then mm. in it is an emergent strategy. And she like names that as dual wisdom that she transfers into her facilitation practice with other people. Um, or they transfer, check what Adrian's pronouns are these days. Yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that's, that's it. Right. Yeah. So. I'm recalling right now. I have purchased two copies of emergent strategy and both of them have been borrowed and not returned. So I was like, I would like to go reference this right now. But I guess a third copy is going to be on its way. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have any other like doula one-liners like that that come to you and you're like, oh, this works, I would yeah. love to know. And it was lovely to get to talk to you. Thank you so yeah, much for absolutely. sharing this Thursday. I hope that uh, I was able to answer things in a way that is helpful. You were great. I Thanks. appreciate There's a lightness that you carry things with even when it's big feelings and intense stuff there's always an underlying lightness that I really admire and appreciate so it's Thank always you. nice getting to check in and hear so, about your world and be like all right yeah like <laughs> oh I appreciate that thank you I, I like showing up in the world that way it's, it's an important skill when it comes to being with kids as well so yeah <laughs> I like that.